Thank you for tuning in to Dream City Omaha Online. We hope you like this message and that it has an impact on your life. Don't forget to like and subscribe for more. Pastor John here. Unfortunately, I'm not able to be with you in person this Sunday. Our family is actually out celebrating my parents' 40th anniversary, so I'm not here this Sunday, but I do want to let you know you guys are in for a treat this weekend. Some of you will remember if you attended our Converge conference back in January, Taylor Foster, who is a pastor on staff at LifeGate. He was a part of our Converge conference. He spoke at one of the breakout sessions, and then he was on the Q&A panel to, to end our session that day. And during that panel was just dropping wisdom bombs and truth bombs and, and really just was an incredible communicator, speaker, and really, I believe, spoke God's heart to us that day. And I know that he's gonna do the same for us this weekend. And so if you would, if you would just stand to your feet, put your hands together and welcome my friend Taylor Foster this morning. Oh, thank you all so much. It's so wise of John to give like a standing ovation before the sermon. So let's close in prayer. Father, this was great. Uh, no. I just want to honor Pastor John and Angel and, man, Pastor Dobie, 40 years? Woo, praise God. Covenant, yes, Lord. Um, my name's Taylor, as he mentioned. I am the youth and young adult pastor at LifeGate. And, man, I am so honored to be here. I love Dream City. Like, my wife and I, I shouldn't, I'm going to say it, I don't care. We, we joke, like, if we weren't called to serve LifeGate, we would, like, literally be members here. Like, we love Dream City. Andre is one of my best friends. Dre, where are you at? Is he in here? Oh, there he is. Hey, everyone give it up for Andre, man. Love this, dude. And so, man, we love this church. I feel like this is family. Uh, my wife, she is here. My two daughters are here. I don't want to draw attention to my wife. She's in the third row, blonde right there. Um, so you guys, right, you guys are going through like a Bible reading plan, right? Some of you, I won't tell. Okay, that's all right. So Pastor John, he reached out to me about two weeks ago and asked me to pray about speaking. And I had my wife's 30th birthday this last week. She literally turned 30 yesterday. And so, yep, we can celebrate. <laughs> I love how much Christians clap. Let's just keep clapping. Let's just. Um, and uh, he texted me the passages out of Isaiah and 2 Kings. And it was one of those moments where I, I, hope, I hope everyone in here who's a child of God has had these moments where you open his word. And I'm like, all right, Lord. And literally within five minutes, he just breathed things I've never seen before in my life. Isn't that amazing, man? We, we have a God who, who is alive. He, he who gave ears, he is not deaf. He who gave a mouth, does he not speak? God is so alive and active. And so what we're going to look at today, if you have your Bibles, 2 Kings 18. And ironically, it's also mentioned in Isaiah. If you don't have your Bibles, no shame. It's not your fault. It's not your fault, mom. It's totally fine. <laughs> Two things to be ready for. Number one, I have a little bit of ADD. So I'm going to be here. I might be here. I might be here. Number two... What we're going to do is look at the life of Hezekiah. Some of y'all know of Hezekiah. The way we're going to do this is we're actually going to walk through his life. It's going to be like a Sunday story time, okay? We're going to look at the reign of Hezekiah. And the title of this sermon, for those of you who take notes, it's Redeemed Resilience. Redeemed Resilience. What is resilience? Resilience is perseverance. It's taking steps forward regardless of the adversity around you resilience, and we all need resilience. 
in different parts of our life. I don't know what baggage you're bringing in. I don't know what work's like. I don't know what family's like. I don't know what fears, doubts, or anxieties you are battling, but you will need redeemed resilience to get through it. And Hezekiah gives us the playbook. I love, I love, I love a few things about God. One, I love he did not leave us orphans. He gave us his Holy Spirit, amen? Amen. And I love that he gave us film to watch. He gave us a playbook. Um, I have a daughter. I mentioned that. I have two daughters. Uh, One of them is named Joy. I got a quick photo of her. So yesterday, on Kylie's 30th birthday, yeah, there she is. Yeah, we call her Jungle Joy because she is, she climbs and jumps and runs and plays. It's amazing. Have you guys ever seen those bikes that don't have the pedals? Yeah, 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 it helps them balance. So she's three and a half. And yesterday before bath time to bless my wife on her birthday, parents, dads, take notes, I took the girls for a walk around uh, our park in the backyard. And Joy, man, she's just athletic, she's nimble, she's all the things. And we have a pretty big hill right by our deck that's grass. And I was like, honey, you're you're big enough. You can go down that hill with your bike. (laughs) So just hang on the handles and put your feet up. And like a sweet three-and-a-half-year-old daughter, she (laughs) trusted me. Guys, I almost killed my daughter yesterday. I kid you not. I kid you not. Have you, I don't know if you've seen those videos on like America's Funniest Home Videos or TikTok for you Gen Zers. And like the, the kid like actually flips and you're like, where's the parent? That was me yesterday. <laughs> We're going down the hill. I'm down there with a shoulder with Charlotte and Joy's coming down. And guys, she starts going way too fast. About, yeah, I know, mom. I'm sorry. So about three quarters of the way down, she hits a divot, jackknifes the handlebars, catapults her. She does a front flip, and this is really good for athletes in the room. She lands on her head, shoulders. It's a good thing. Listen, lower back, and then she rolls. She, like, does, like, a ragdoll ninja roll, okay? That's a good thing. Some of you, if you don't know what I'm talking about, some of you in here, you fall good. You're an athlete. Some of you just don't know how to fall. That's how you fall. She fell perfectly. She does a full front flip off the handlebars and then two somersaults in the grass. I should have been recording. That's my only regret. Because this is what happened next. She, she cries for about a minute. You know, she's like very scared. But the way she fell, nothing was injured. Nothing was injured. I pick her up. She's crying and, you know, obviously wants mom. And I sit down. I rub her back. And I test her knees, test her little fingers, her arms. Within one minute, she's back on her bike going down another hill. <laughs> Resilience is a learned behavior. Resilience is a learned behavior. And we have a great role model in Hezekiah today. Just like my daughter. Check it, man. Calm parent, calm kid. Parents, witness. Amen? Yes? Yes. Kid eats something they shouldn't eat. They stick their hand in a mousetrap. You calm, they'll be calm. You freak out, they'll freak out. (laughs) I like you. (laughs) Hezekiah, calm king, calm Christian. All right, let me pray. Father, first of all, God, I thank you for (laughs) protecting my daughter yesterday. That was great. Love you, love you, love you. And Lord, I pray for this sermon right now. Holy Spirit, have your way. Jesus, anything I say that's not of you may be forgotten, but God, whatever you want to speak this morning to your beloved church, to Dream City, Holy Spirit, may it stick and spread. Open up the word to our hearts, to our minds, and to our lives. God, show us what it means to be people of redeemed resilience. No matter what we're going through, God, let us learn from your King Hezekiah. We love you, we trust you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. All right, 2 Kings 18, verses 1 through 2. In the third year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. 
He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David has done. Brief aside, I don't know how familiar any of you guys are with the kings of Israel. Abraham, promise, sent into Egypt. Moses brings them out. They get brought into the promised land by Joshua, and then soon they have some judges. doesn't go so great. They ask for a king. They get Saul. Turns out Saul's not the best. Then a guy named David, a man after God's own heart, comes on the throne. God blesses him with a messianic promise. Through your line, I will have a king whose reign shall never end. The scepter will not leave your family. You guys remember this? He has a son named Solomon. He's a little wise, but he's also a little stupid. We'll look at him in a second. He has a son named Rehoboam, who's insecure of the greatness of his father building the temple, makes bad decisions, splits the kingdom. The northern kingdom of Israel, they have 20 kings, or 19 kings. None of them are godly. The southern kingdom of Judah, they have 19 kings. Five of them are godly. Hezekiah is one of them. And a brief aside here, uh, Ahaz, his father, was not a good man. Ahaz, Hezekiah's dad, he, he reigned. The chapter before, you can read about it. Um, one of the things Ahaz did, he worshipped a god named Molech, where he burned his son in the fire as an offering to a false god. Thank God it wasn't Hezekiah, am I right? The cool thing, get emotional, um, Hezekiah had a really godly mom. Uh, Abijah, uh, her dad was Zechariah, not the prophet Zechariah, but another prophet mentioned in Isaiah 8 too. He was friends with Isaiah. And listen to me, just because your dad wasn't godly doesn't mean you can't be godly. I don't care what family you come from. I don't care about the sin of your past. When you step into your identity as a son or daughter of the king, you enter a new family of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And I want to encourage anyone in here who has a broken past, drug addiction, sexual immorality, bro, look at Hezekiah, and it says this. He's one of the greatest kings. And he had a godly mom. So some of you might be in a marriage right now where you're unequally yoked. You maybe found Christ after. Don't you dare give up. Don't you dare quit praying for your kids. Don't you dare quit carrying the burden in a healthy way in your heart of interceding the things of God because who knows what God will do through your kids. Brief context of Hezekiah. And by the way, he's 25. We caught that, right? It's in the text. Okay, next verse. This is what he did, 2 Kings 18.4. He removed the high places and broke the images and cut down the groves and broke in pieces the bronze serpent that Moses had made. For unto those days the children of Israel did burn incense to it, and it was called Neshutan, which is a weird Hebrew-like pet name, like bronze snake thing. Really quick, um, I don't know your biblical understanding here, but do you guys remember that story of Moses and the bronze snake? Yeah, 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 yeah. So coming out of Egypt, the Exodus, the Israelites are grumbling, and God sends poisonous snakes. They get bit, and then God tells Moses, make a bronze snake so whoever looks upon it, believes upon it, will be healed. Jesus actually picks up that imagery in John 3 and says, just as Moses lifted up the bronze snake, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, right? Why would Hezekiah destroy it? This is why. Sometimes the greatest barriers to our present intimacy with Jesus are past moves of God that we idolize. Oh, ooh, ooh, So, hey, tell me about your testimony. Well, you know, 18 years ago at a summer camp, it's so funny to me. We ask people, have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? How about are you filled with the Holy Spirit? So many times we identify ourselves as Christian by what God's done 20, 30, 15, 5, 2 years ago rather than the present reality of what he's doing right now. And for some of you today, the thing you need to do today is break off past moves of God that have hindered your pursuit of him right now. 
That's what has, isn't that crazy he did that? They began worshiping a, a miracle in the past rather than stepping into the reality of God now. What are the bronze snakes we need to get rid of? And this is going to be the flow. Like literally, just, you know, seatbelt up. Now that, they don't have, that was stupid. I don't know why I did that. Side note, anyone, you guys have all flown on planes? It was the dumbest question. Maybe some of you don't fly. We'll pray for you. We'll have deliverance after. God, God will protect you. But like whenever they say fast and seatbelts, does anyone just get the weird temptation just to like rebel and not do it? And the stewardess is walking by. It's like, and God crucify that in me. What is it? It's like a little like deviance in me. I'm like, fast and seatbelt, turbulence. I'm like, it's not so bad. It's a safe, it's dream city. So I can say things at dream city where I won't get fired. I can just say things. He removed those high uh, places and the bronze snake. And here's the principle. Your present proximity to God trumps your past pursuit of him. This is one of my favorite things about being a Christian. I see it all the time in my youth and young adults. Um, hey, I'm just thinking of Mason right now. One of my young adults' kids, man, he got on fire for God 18 months ago, did an internship with me, God's hand on him. He is, in a weird way, light years ahead spiritually than kids who were raised in the church their whole lives. Why? His present pursuit of God trumps his past connections. Your present proximity is what matters. If your testimony is older than 24 hours, I doubt it's authenticity. This would be weird, like, side plug. I, uh, my prayer for me personally, I have to be filled with the Holy Spirit every day because I'm not, I'm filled with Taylor. And she'll know, my kids will know, everyone will know. Our present proximity has to trump our past pursuit. Hezekiah, 2 Kings 18.5, he trusted in the Lord the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. What a compliment. And this is what made Hezekiah Hezekiah. We, we talk about Asa or Josiah or these other godly kings. What makes him distinct? This is it. He held fast to the Lord. He trusted God, man. And we're going to unpack what that looks like. We're going to unpack it in detail. He trusted in the Lord. Josiah, he was known for bringing back the law, right? And weeping over the law. It was amazing. Brought back the law. Hezekiah held fast to the Lord. Why is that important? There's a pattern in 1 and 2 Kings using this expression. This is what it says about Solomon in 1 Kings 11.2. Solomon, what did he hold fast to? Held fast to his wives. What do you hold fast to? What do I hold fast to? What are the things we hold fast to? Jerem, another king, and I don't have time to go through all these. He held fast to the sins of Jeroboam. We all hold fast to things. And if you show me what you're holding fast to, I'll show you your identity. Where do you go when stuff hits the fan? That shows who you really are. And just a little spoiler, um, anytime your identity is in something you can lose, you live in a moderate state of anxiety. Anytime your identity is in something you can lose, whether it's athletics, a paycheck, a relationship, I don't care. Anytime your identity is in something you can lose, you live in a place of anxiety, instability, rather than grounding on the rock of ages who does not move or waver. Josiah or Hezekiah, we're going to look at how he truly trusts in the Lord, and it made him invincible. One of my um, good friends, last, not Andre, just so everyone's not assuming, um, one of my good buddies last week is going through a closed-door season. And just, spoiler alert, when you follow Jesus, it's an adventure full of open doors and closed doors. And he's with you the whole time and it's beautiful. But what happens is this, we sometimes hold fast to doors God's closing and we trip out, don't we? One of my buddies, uh, he's going through some employment uh, shifting and he's a man of God, anointed, loves the Lord, served the Lord, and it's uprooting his identity. 
because he put more identity in his paycheck than he realized until it was taken from him. That's why we're looking at Hezekiah. Why? To have redeemed resilience so when we go through stuff, we're not shocked and we cling to God who doesn't move rather than the things around us that are temporary. And that's, ugh, I'm still over here on this aside. My grandpa, amazing pastor, man of God, he said this once, 80% of the Christian life is suffering well before a watching world. 80% of the Christian life is suffering well before a watching world. Why? We don't grasp to the things of earth like they do because our treasures are in heaven. It's so crazy. It blows my freaking mind sometimes. Looking at Christians freaking out about stuff. Do you know why? They look like someone who's drowning, gasping for air. Dude, our oxygen's in heaven. Get over it. This is Babylon, not the promised land. He won't leave us. He won't forsake us. That political party might. That person might. That pastor might. Are we having fun yet? This person's going to be movable, but God himself will not move. He held fast to the Lord. That's what made Hezekiah Hezekiah. That's why we're talking about him today, because he held fast to the Lord. What do you hold fast to? Skipping ahead, 2 Kings 18.9. In King Hezekiah's fourth year, which was the seventh year of Hoshea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Shalmaneser, king of Assyria, marched against Samaria and lay siege to it. At the end of three years, the Assyrians took it. So Samaria was captured, Hezekiah's sixth year, which was the ninth year of Hoshea. Hezekiah is now 31 years old. He's been a king for six years, and the northern kingdom of Israel just got captured. I, I want, we need to enter the story a little bit more. The northern kingdom of the people of Israel, the, tel, the ten tribes, the people who God called out of Egypt, who they've been connected, actually got captured by the Assyrian Empire during Hezekiah's reign. And by the way, ugh, our kids, and minist- kids aren't here. We're good. Okay, the Assyrians... They are known for their brutality. They invented filleting people alive, and they used to drape skin over the idols of the, of the countries they'd conquer. They were the first people to actually stack heads outside of cities while they were doing siege to intimidate people psychologically. You can read about, you can Google it if you're a psycho. You can do that if you want to, or read the prayer. God bless you. Uh, I know what you watch on Netflix. I'm kidding. Um, or look about the, the prophets cry out against it. The Assyrians were so brutal and violent, which is why when you look at Jonah, Jonah ran away from his calling. Nah, bro, Jonah didn't go to Nineveh because he was a racist and he didn't want God to have mercy on the merciless people. He says it in the end of Jonah. He says, this is why I didn't want to come and preach repentance because I knew you'd forgive him, God. You're gracious and full of mercy and abounding in grace. That was Jonah's issue. Why? Because the Assyrians were that evil. That is what Hezekiah is dealing with. A Assyrian empire that just took the people of Israel, and now the kingdom of Judah is left. He's 31. Anxiety much? How much do you like your skin, Hezekiah? Skipping ahead. In the 14th year, Second uh, Kings 18.13, in the 14th year of King Hezekiah's reign, so this is eight years later, Sennacherib, new king, not Shalmester, Sennacherib, new king of Assyria, attacked all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. Hezekiah is 39, and he has just completely failed as king. You have to get, like, the Assyrian Empire took about eight years. They came down to Judah. They attacked Judah, and they captured every single city but Jerusalem, the capital city. He's 39. This is where he's at. He's in his palace. He sends out envoys to meet this massive Assyrian army. They send their commanders. And this is the interaction. And there's a huge point here I want you all to catch. 
Verse 19, this is the field commander. The Assyrian field commander says to them, tell Hezekiah, this is what the great king, the king of Assyria says, oh, what are you basing your confidence on? You say you have the counsel and might for war, but you speak only empty words. He's taunting them right outside the city before a fight. You feel it? On whom are you depending? But if you say to me, we are depending on the Lord our God, isn't he the one whose high places and altars Hezekiah removed, saying to Judah and Jerusalem, you must worship before this altar in Jerusalem? Pause. How does this dude know the nuances of Hezekiah's reform? We got a cross-reference chronicles for this. Hezekiah abolished all worship, even to Yahweh, that wasn't in Jerusalem. Why? It wasn't done by Levites. Ooh, this guy is taunting him for something he did in obedience and telling him, you upset God. Have you ever felt like God's mad at you? That's the play he's doing. Look, I want you to, ah, this is, I want you guys to hear how demonic this threat is because some of you have been biting baits of the enemy that's been similar to this and, and we need to keep going through it. Who is this field commander who knows the nuances of Judaism? And then he goes on to say this in verse 23. Come on now, make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria. I will give you 2,000 horses if you can put riders on them. Sweet burn. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> How can you repulse one officer of the least of my master's officials, even though you are depending on Egypt for chariots and horsemen? This is what he says, verse, four, verse 25. This is an Assyrian field commander. Furthermore, have I come to attack and destroy this place without word from the Lord? He uses the word Yahweh there. Later, when Sennacherib sends a letter, he says, the God you depend on, he's using Adonai. He's using the personal name of the God of Israel. The Lord himself told me to march against this country and destroy it. Then Elikim, son of Hilakai and Shebna and Joah, the, the uh, envoy from Hezekiah, they replied to the field commander, please speak to your servants in Aramaic since we understand it. Don't speak to us in Hebrew so the people on the wall can hear it. Time out. Who is this Assyrian field commander who knows the depth of Jewish religion, who speaks fluent Hebrew, and who says Yahweh sent him there to destroy it, to punish him, just like Israel? Oh, we're going to have fun here real quick. When you look at Old Testament commentators, they will tell you, we look at the history of Israel. Yes, they got besieged and they, they lost to uh, Assyria eight years ago, but they've been paying tribute for over 30 to 40 years from other kings. This guy is most likely a Hebrew regenerate who left Judaism and is now serving the Assyrian army. It's the only explanation for what's happening. This guy is an Israelite working for the Assyrian army. Guys, this is very normal. This is very normal at that time. They'd pay tribute and money and men, okay? That's how it worked, and sometimes women, depending on the country. This man is an Israelite who is now taunting the true people of Israel with theology. Did you know this, Christian? Sometimes the biggest threat to your faithfulness to Jesus are Christians who are not following Jesus. Yeah, it's good. It's true in my life. I can't tell you the amount of stuff I have had to wade through from well-meaning Christians who are not speaking the word of God into my life. One of them, man, this is years ago, um, was praying about seminary, which you've met me. I, yeah. Um, and he said, you know, Taylor, you're just really not the seminary type. That wounded me deeply. Every bad grade, every Greek exam, guess what I'd fear? Fear. The field commander. Coming in the name of the Lord, speaking the things that are not of God. People who are well-meaning Christians who claim to know God but don't follow Jesus will use scripture to hinder you from obedience at times from God. 
Do you see it? Do you see it? It's, and look at the content. It's breathing fear, anxiety, worry, and stress. Last time I checked, man, our Father in heaven didn't give us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So look at the content of the people you're around. And it's so funny. This is so demonic. Oh, my gosh. This is what he says. He says, Hezekiah will not save you from their hand. Do not let Hezekiah deceive you. He cannot deliver you from my hand. This guy puts the focus on an imperfect leader rather than the perfect God. And so many times we do this, right? We get hit with fear, worry, concern. We start focusing on that issue rather than looking up to heaven. One, uh, one girl, her name is Bailey Beecham. Uh, I think she was actually baptized here at Dream City a few years ago. Yes, she guest spoke at our summer camp. Do you know what she said? This is so good. She said, the enemy is not out to destroy you. He's out to distract you because you'll destroy yourself. So many of you, if you're going through places of fear, stress, worry, and anxiety, well-meaning Christians might tell you, you just need more faith. Let your faith outweigh your fears. You don't need more faith. You need a disciplined focus. You need to muster up faith. You just need to say, hey, God, my attention is my beginning of affection, so let me be affectionate with you rather than focus on me. The more Hezekiah focused on Hezekiah, the more anxiety, fear, worry, and stress he felt. The more Hezekiah focused on Adonai, the more peace he experienced as a byproduct. And the same is true with you and I. I am the most stressed out, worried, fearful, insecure person when I'm most focused on myself. When I'm focused on God, I experience peace, freedom, joy, life, love, peace, all the, all the fruits. Fruit galore. It's like a cornucopia of fruits. That's a fun word. That was like Thanksgiving, right? Cornucopia. As a byproduct as a, we can laugh. This is a safe place, safe place. As a byproduct of my consecration. Do you get that? Mm, sorry. Because I've just been snagged with that. What do you do when this happens? When you have people coming in the name of God, who do you go to? You go to a true prophet. And that's exactly what Hezekiah does. He gets news of this and he contacts Isaiah. 2 Kings 19, 5 through 7. When King Hezekiah's officials came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Tell your master, this is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid of what you have heard. These words with which the underlings of the king of Assyria have blasphemed me. Isaiah talking for God. He makes it an offense to God, not Hezekiah. God takes responsibility. Listen, when he hears a certain report, talking about Sennacherib, I will make him want to return to his own country, and there I will have him cut down with the sword. Field commander, who is an Israelite, taunting, creating fear. True prophet of God, giving hope and counsel. And in brief context, uh, the king of Cush, who seemed to be the, the pharaoh in Egypt, ends up marching on the Assyrian army at this time. And so Sennacherib has to split his army. He leaves 185,000 men outside Jerusalem ready to feast on it. But he himself has to go neutralize this situation. And then he sends a letter to Hezekiah just to make sure Hezekiah doesn't get hope. This is what he says. So he, this is 2 Kings 19, 9 through 11, Sennacherib again sent messengers to Hezekiah with this word. Say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you when he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the other countries, destroying them completely. Threats from a deconverted Israelite, Isaiah's word, threats from the Assyrian king. He's got a sandwich of fear here. Fear, hope, fear. Who are the prophets you're listening to right now in your life? 
man, if, um, this is one of my big, I'm a youth pastor, okay, Gen Z. Do I have any Gen Zers in the room? They're not going to raise their hand. They're terrified. Okay, we love you. We bless you. <laughs> like, I don't know, dude, just text me about it. I'm like, okay, I'll text you later. Um, it is, <laughs> you laugh, man. If you have, just don't call them. It freaks them out. It freaks them out. I want, I want to say this really quick. Um, the, the, my, my heart, uh, it's so weird. Mm, when God calls you to something, he burdens you for it. Gen Z, so the kids, like, we're talking like 13 up to like 24, okay? They are not a fatherless generation like the millennials. They're not. They're a fatherless, motherless, siblingless, neighborless, friendless. Most isolate to a room with a screen of their choice. The thing that breaks my heart is that they're getting more of their spiritual insight from their feed rather than from prophets. And some of you all are the same, man. If your prophets are coming from Fox News or CNN, probably you need to repent. Like, I'm not trying to get political. I'm getting biblical, dude. We need to focus on, hey, God, what are you truly speaking in this moment rather than hearsay of other people who come in the name of the Lord and they might be off. Why? They're imperfect. He's perfect. And this is why I have a huge passion for this. I'm going to speak freely for Kevin here. Start discipling and mentoring young people. They need spiritual mothers and fathers. I'm going to preach this till I'm blue in the face because when I was 15 years old, gosh, dang it. I skip boxing practice every Wednesday. Yes, I box. I'll prove it later. (laughs) By turning the other chapters, I'll turn like Mayweather, it'll be great. Um, I skip boxing practice, Taylor Focus, Father, thank you. I skip boxing practice every Wednesday to meet with my grandfather, who was 83 at that time. And for the next 15 years, he met with me and discipled me. Uh, yeah, well, I was right. I'm not here if it's not for those years of him investing in me. And the dangerous thing is this. If we're not surrounding ourselves with Isaiah's, we might start listening to the Sennacheribs on our phones. We just will. We just will. And, and by the way, you won't be able to c- compete with the content. The con- you just won't. They're absorbing too much. But what you need to say is when you speak, it's true and worth its weight in gold. So they quote you 17 years later when they're preaching a sermon at Dream City. Those are the kind of spiritual fathers and mothers we are called to be. And young people, hunt them out, bro. They won't come to you. Hunt them out. Reach out to them. I know it's terrifying. It's a conversation, but go for it because you know this. You are dying not because of lack of wisdom, but because of lack of community. The loneliness is the epidemic, not the anxiety or self-harm. Don't buy that, dude. It's the loneliness. That's the root of it. Anxiety, depression, self-harm, suicide, those are fruits of a deeper root of isolation. And as a church, man, we need, I'm sorry, this is a side tangent. We need to be people who are focused on our younger people. Okay. Amen. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Thankfully, Hezekiah listened to the true prophet. This is how he responded, and this is the secret. This is why I'm here. This is the secret to his redeemed resilience right here. 2 Kings 19, 14 through 16. He gets the letter from Sennacherib. This is what he does. Hezekiah received the letter, and he read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord. He spread it out before the Lord, and Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, Lord God of Israel, enthroned between two cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, Lord, and see. Listen to the word Sennacherib has sent to ridicule the living God. Do you see what he doesn't pray? Hey, God, protect Jerusalem for me. Hey, God, save me. Hey, God, I need your help here. Do you know what he says? Hey, God, this is your battle, not mine. Do you know why? <laughs> Do you know why Hezekiah did not fear losing Jerusalem or the kingdom of Judah? Because it wasn't his to lose, it was the Lord's. What are the things you're fearful of losing that actually aren't yours to lose? They're his. Yeah. 
And if you're experiencing fear, I want to tell you this. I've said this a few times in different areas, but I don't care. Fear is a fruit, not a root. Fear is a result of pride. I have to do this. I got to try better. Maybe I should get more soldiers. Maybe I should do this. Okay, my marriage is falling apart. Okay, what can I do? And maybe there's some responsibility you need to do. Start with humility and ask for forgiveness. It's great. It's amazing. But God, me, 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 rather than, hey, God, you're the boss, not me. This is your responsibility, not mine. Hey, Lord, this is your battle, not mine. When I was 21 years old, um, I was not following the Lord. And um, my mom, my sweet mom, I love that you're here. Good to see you. I love you. I've talked about you a lot. We'll hang out, connect later. Um, my mom, I, I take sole credit for my mom's prayer life for about four years there. As I was not walking with the Lord, I played rugby at Wayne. I was a professional bullfighter, like a rodeo clown. And I, and I love drugs, and I talked freely about it with her. So she'd hear stories of me doing acid on my motorcycle, and she'd be stressed out. She watched me fight one show in South Dakota, and I got flipped in the air. You never went back because it freaked you out. Sorry. Um, I'll never forget this. The summer before my senior year of college, or the summer before my junior I came home from working landscaping, went to the fridge, grabbed a beer, um, and she, I can tell she'd been crying. And she came up to me, and she said this, I've released you to the Lord. And I'm like, Okay, <laughs> take a drink. If you die, it's not on my hands. God's got you, not me. Listen to me, listen to me. Seven months later, God met me one night in Wayne and I gave my life to the Lord. I was not a safe son for her to have until she gave me to the Lord. There are things God wants to bless in your life that you're clinging to rather than clinging to the Lord like Hezekiah did that he cannot breathe on because they're not safe to breathe on because they're still in your possession. A.W. Tozer wrote a whole chapter on this in Pursuit of God called The Blessedness of Possessing Nothing. What does that mean? Hey, God, I know you've put burdens in my heart, but those burdens aren't on my shoulders. They're on yours. God, you're going to have to do it, not me. Ah, Pre-service prayer this morning. It was so amazing. I want to honor uh, Linda and Shay and Sarah. You guys have amazing pre-service prayer. You guys should check it out. Spirit of God's there. It's awesome. And I got so convicted about an hour and a half ago of a marriage I've been praying for God to heal for about six years now. And it keeps sneaking off the altar of me trusting God with it and then me feeling like I have to make something happen. And I just said, God, you've got to do it. And there's instant freedom. What are the things God's, and God, listen to me. I've prayed, I've fasted, I've wept, I've encouraged, I've discipled, I've baptized. Like, good Lord, what else can I do with this marriage? But guess what? The battle's his, not mine. And until I find that art of, of surrender, complete surrender with total stewardship, right? It's both and. If it's just surrender and you're not faithful to anything, you're being a dummy, knock it off, like, you know, grow up. But if you're trying to do it all on your own and not getting the ear of heaven, you're missing the anointing that comes from God, not your strength. My grandpa said it perfect. The Christian life is not your responsibility. It's your response to his ability. Do you feel the freedom in that? Do you feel the freedom of being a son, being a daughter, where it's not up to you, it's up to him? And that's the freedom that Hezekiah felt. And this is how the story wraps up. 2 Kings 19, 35 through 37. That night, the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 of the Assyrian camp right outside Jerusalem. When the people got up the next morning, all six of them, there were all the dead bodies. That was a joke. You don't have to laugh. There were all the dead bodies. So Sennacherib, king of Assyria, broke camp and withdrew, just like Isaiah said he would. He returned to Nineveh and stayed there. One day while he was worshiping in the temple, two of his sons killed him with a sword. 
God couldn't bless Hezekiah with Jerusalem until Hezekiah returned Jerusalem to the Lord. There are things that, that are weighing on our hearts this morning. I don't know about the burdens you have. Maybe some of y'all need, maybe you got prodigal kids like Taylor right here who aren't following the Lord. Take heart. Don't you dare give up, but don't you dare take control. You need to trust God to convict your son or daughter because they won't listen to you. They only listen to him. And when we pray, oh, we have to pray and contend in the spirit from a place of rest, not effort. If you're contending from a place that's not restful, you're not contending in the spirit of God. Don't be anxious or worry about anything, right? But with everything, with prayer and petition, offer your request to the Lord with thanksgiving so that the what? The peace of God may guard your heart. If you're praying for things and not experiencing peace, I think you're still owning it. God puts burns in our hearts, but never on our shoulders. We do that to ourselves. And only when we find that sweet knack, just like Hezekiah redeemed resilience, where the, 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 the whole hack in the thing is this, we're resilient. Why? Because we've released the matter to him. That's the key. That's the key. I'm going to invite the worship band up. We're going to respond by worship. What's been something weighing on you that you need to release to the Lord? Redeemed resilience, man. Resilience is a learned behavior. <laughs> calm parent, calm kid, rolling down a hill. Calm king, calm Christian. Why? The same God of Hezekiah is the God in this room in Dream City right now. And that is practical theology, baby. He does not change. He will be there for you. He will fight your battles. But sometimes in order for him to fight your battles, you got to let go of the sword, man. You got to say, God, it's yours, not mine. And that's the posture of humility. That's the posture of that surrender. And then also, and I, I just, this was the thing, man. This was the thing the Lord breathed on. For some of you in here, what past move of God is keeping you from the present reality of God? Are we getting our identity from things God's done in yesteryear? Or are we stepping into his manifest presence now, saying, God, we thank you for what you've done in the past, but oh God, you're the God of today. You're the God of right now. I don't care if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. The question is, am I filled with your spirit right now, this day? Because if we do that, we'll actually end up, because we're humans and we're silly, we'll put on cruise control our, our spiritual disciplines and we'll coast on what we've done rather than who God is today. And Melissa hit a home run when she said that at the beginning. She had no idea I was preaching this. Some of us need to repent of putting on cruise control from the past and step into what God's doing right now. Let me pray for us. Father, God, we come before you honest. Lord, any burden we've been carrying that's not ours to carry right now, we just release it to you. And even as you sit right now, man, if you need to extend your hands out in a posture of that, like, God, it's yours, I'm letting go. I'm letting go, God, I'm letting go of this kid. I'm letting go of this job. I'm letting go of this relationship. God, I can trust you to provide even when all the voices around me are telling me the opposite. I will listen to your true word. God, I pray for us. Let us be a people of redeemed resilience, God. We don't look to the left or the right, but we look straight up at you. And God, we also say this. We ask for present fullness of your spirit. I pray, God, just, I, I just pray an impartation, God, of everyone in this room, everyone at this church should be daily so filled with your spirit, they're exuding with joy in life. Lord, let us be people who, who we seek your word, we read the Bible plan, not to be good students, but to be better worshipers, Lord. Oh, God, make us people of intimacy. And you do it when we're with you. We love you. We trust you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to have you all stand up. And the prayer team, we've got a ministry team. You guys want to come forward? Renee's going to lead us in a time of worship. And 
And I wanna get real with you all. Man, some of you maybe need to share some things. Some of you maybe just need to sit down and connect with the Lord. But my hope for every one of you is this, that you walk out of here with the burden of the Lord, which is light and his yoke is easy. Let's jump into worship together. Dream City Omaha, we're all about helping each other discover Christ, recover identity, and uncover purpose. We encourage you to explore our past sermon series and classes to help you find the abundant life in Christ. And don't forget to subscribe and hit the bell for all our latest videos.